Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Called Samson. So if you've never heard of him, you'll learn a lot about him over the next four weeks. And I want to do something really quick before we get started. Um, I want to introduce Keith and Lauren Rao uh, to come up here to the stage real quick, if you don't mind. And you can, uh, you guys come on up here so they can see you. Um, you're taller than I am, so that's why I stand on stage so they can see me. But I have known these guys, um, Lauren, since 1999. She was um, a pipsqueak in the youth group. And at that time, and uh, we got some funny stories with that. Keith, I remember in 2001, 2000, he came and uh, gave his life to Christ at the youth ministry in North Carolina. And I've had the chance to, to be a part of these guys live, watch their development. Um, they graduated from Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia. And that's where Dion and I went. So we went to college together. Keith served with me in the youth ministry. He was our guest services director for youth ministries. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Uh, for our youth church? Well, Keith took over as the student ministries pastor there. He's been there for six years, and I've been serving faithfully, and God had transitioned them. And last year, um, while I was home in North Carolina, I had a a conversation with them. They said, we feel like God may be transitioning us in the future. And none none of us had a clue that they would be here. This wasn't planned. This is like something God totally orchestrated. And so it uh, keeps me serving as our connections pastor. Uh, pastor Elise and I do all we can, and we're, we're going 100 miles per hour, so we had to bring somebody else on to throw them into the, the crazy wheel of ministry. And so uh, he's going to come in to help us with that on the assimilation side, but he's also going to be working with our students. So anyone 12 to 19, that age group, um, they can slip in, you know, if they need to at 11, or even if they're at 20, they can help out as a leader there with Keith. But tonight, at 540 Um, Those who are interested um, in hearing more about our student ministries and what we're doing in that, Keith and Lauren and myself will have a meet and greet in the fellowship hall in our youth and kids area. So if you know anybody that's that age, if you have children that age, make sure you bring them out because we're going to be introducing them. But I want you guys to give them a good thrive welcome and say welcome here to the greatest church on earth. Amen. Good to have you guys here. Love y'all. And, uh, you know, when we, we had no clue we'd be bringing a staff member on this soon, um, it was 10 months into it. Um, and God, amen, that's a good thing. And uh, God is good at what he's doing here at Thrive Church. I'm excited. If you're a first-time guest, make sure you put your connection card in the blue basket for us uh, so we can stay in touch with you. We'd love to keep in touch and let you know what's going on here at Thrive. And if you will, turn in your Bibles. Let's get to work this morning. To Judges 13, verse 24. Judges 13, verse 24. We all have our favorite superhero, right? There's that one superhero you grew up that you knew that you really liked. Uh, For some of you, it's Superman. Maybe you like the Man of Steel. For others of you, maybe it's Spider-Man. Maybe you enjoy the clever senses of Spidey. Uh, Others, maybe the Incredible Hulk. Maybe you like the Smash stuff. And then some of you, uh, maybe the resurgence of Batman, who now we call the Dark Knight, who, uh, you know, he wasn't really that cool when he was Adam West. I used to watch that. You know, he's kind of goofy. And uh, then Tim Burton did a little better job, but now Batman's really cool. 
cool because of the Dark Knight series. He's like now now everybody's favorite. But we all have our favorite superhero. And one thing that you'll realize with every superhero, they have a weakness. Right? There's a certain weakness they have. Uh, what is Superman's weakness, church? See, it's sad you know more about Superman than you do the Bible. I am just disappointed in you. I'm joking. So it's, it's kryptonite. That was Superman's. Well, I want to share with you uh, some really crazy weaknesses some superheroes had. Uh, Magneto could probably be taken out by a Nerf gun or a wolf of all bat. <laughs> And listen to this, the Green Lantern, his, his weakness was the color yellow, and especially a yellow lamp. Yeah. The Human Torch, <laughs> he was defeated by Asbestos Man. <laughs> and then check this, Thor's weakness, you remember Thor with the hammer? His weakness was this, if he let his hammer down for 60 seconds, he would lose all of his strength. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I thought, how does Thor take a shower? I mean, you know, is it like, man, I got 45 seconds and I'm out. And I was really intrigued about how he uses the restroom. I'm just imagining here. It sounds like a silly weakness, doesn't it? But let me just be real. That's, that's all of us, too. Uh, we have super potential because what God has put inside of us by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And we have all this potential, but we all have silly weaknesses that could destroy us. And we're going to look at a, a man over the next four weeks that is that same story. Uh, he was kind of a superhero. God's Spirit would come on him and he would rip a lion apart. And he would kill an army of people. He was better than Rambo. But when you look at it, he had some really silly weaknesses, some attitudes that destroyed him. So this morning, I want to speak to you about attitudes that make strong men weak. Look at verse 24 of Judges 13 in your copy of God's Word. The woman gave birth to a boy named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that we can seek guidance from them, seek strength. Your word is spirit and life. And so, God, we ask that as we dig into your word today, as we look at this uh, character, Samson, who you mightily used, God, and wanted to use even more, uh, help us to gain insight from Samson, Lord. Let us not be the cautionary tale, Lord, like Samson is and he was. But, God, I pray that every one of us would deal with the attitudes that make strong men weak. Help us to have the attitudes that make weak men strong, God. We ask for your blessing upon this message, upon this time, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at Samson. We're going to break his life down and study him. And a lot of people in church know a little bit about Samson. But my goal for you after the next four weeks is for you to know a lot about Samson. The history here is this. He was a judge in Israel. Now, don't picture Judge Judy uh, Brown or Joe Brown. Is that their name? I don't watch them. Don't say their name because people will know that you watch them. But don't imagine that type of judge. He wasn't sitting in the throne just like, you know, acquitted. You're gone. He was actually a ruler in Israel that went around, and he was one of the rulers that God had. There were no kings at the time, and he was able to kind of rule the land to keep justice going, things like that. But during his time, the Israelites 
were actually in bondage to the Philistines. The Philistines came and took the Israelites over because of their disobedience. And so during that time, God raised up Samson to help the Israelites. God always raises the deliverer up. And what happened was that the Lord gave his parents through the angel the Nazarite vow for Samson. You can read in number six more about the Nazarite vow. This vow was a way a non-priest, an ordinary person could be set apart to do great things for God. And here's what the vow was. I want you to follow me here. The first, the first part of the vow was this, and, and John the Baptist followed this. So you'll recognize this from John the Baptist's life. Number one, the first part of the vow was don't get drunk. No Coronas and no margaritas with your Mexican food. The second was this, don't touch anything dead. I think even if you don't have a Nazarite vow, you shouldn't touch anything dead. That's just gross. For you hunters, you're like, yeah, man, I do. I, I can't, I just, I have an attrition to dead things. Don't get your hair cut. Samson had long hair, and all the guys who used to have long hair like me say amen. I did. I used to have long hair. But you got to realize this. Samson did not have a mullet. Don't you picture Samson with that ungodly thing called a mullet. I know in 1984 you may have had one and thought you were really cool and, and my mom tried to make me have one when I was a kid and, and, I, and I just shrugged it off because it's so ungodly. Mullets are ungodly. But just like baptism and just like the, the wedding ring, the hair was an outward sign of a visible uh, covenant that he made with God. That he made this covenant with God and he was serving God and going after God with all of his heart. And so he had this strength and God would come on him. At one time, he killed a thousand Philistines. But you'll see that his weak will got him in trouble over and over again. We'll watch as, as he betrays God for a handful of honey. Now, honey ain't that good, honey. We will watch him kill 30 innocent men because of a bet. He got angry. And we'll watch Samson as he falls into the wrong relationships. See, Samson's accomplishments were legendary, but also his weaknesses were just as legendary. And many of us are in the same place here. So much potential, but he made bad decisions and self-destructed. And many of us have such God-given potential, but we make bad decision after bad decision, and it causes us to self-destruct. And that's what ha happened to Samson. See, he was a, an incredibly strong man, listen to this, with a dangerously weak will. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And here's his dangerous dichotomy. Watch this. His birth was announced by an angel, but he compromised a vow for a handful of honey. He was set apart and chosen to deliver, but he had uncontrollable fits of anger. I know none of you face that. You're all way too holy to get angry. Massively empowered super strength, but then he killed 30 men to pay off some gambling because he was angry. You see the dichotomy here? He tore apart a lion and killed a thousand men, but had an insatiable weakness for women. Now you look at that and you're like, man, poor guy. I really hate that he did that. But that's our story. Somewhere, somehow, part of Samson is part of us too, right? That, that's us there. There are many of us who are committed, especially men, are committed to work or go to the gym, but we won't commit to a woman. We won't put the ring on it. We're aggressive at work, but passive at home. 
three hours we'll research what's the best thing is to buy. What's the best TV? What's the best boat? What's the best golf clubs, right? I know you men do that. Don't, don't even act like you're too holy. You're researching the, the best thing to buy, but you won't spend five minutes in God's Word. That's the way we're built, just like Samson. And then some of us love God, love our wife, men, but we're trapped in a secret world of lust. And just like Samson, great potential. God's calling you to do awesome things, but there's a dangerously weak will that we have. So much potential, but self-destructive. What I want to speak to you about this morning in my time here, before I lose my microphone off my um, back. Did you like how I caught that? You never noticed it, but I told you. I've got quick hands too. Samson didn't have hands as quick as I have them. I want to speak to you about three attitudes that make strong men weak. And they're lust, entitlement, and pride. Three attitudes that make strong men weak. And I believe if you could look at these attitudes in your life, then you'll be able to see what can make you weak. Now help me out here for a second, Thrive Church. Do not think about your neighbor when I'm preaching this message. Because I know church folk. And, and, and what you do is you hear this, you're like, whoo, my, my spouse needs to hear this here. Lord, grip their heart. Uh, let, let God speak to you as I deal with this. It's lust, entitlement, and pride. What are they? Lust, entitlement, and pride. Here's the first attitude that makes strong men weak. And you can write in your notes that we gave to you. The first one is lust. I want it. Lust, I want it. I've got to have it. I want it. That's how men get. They see that new thing that makes you stronger, the P90X.3275, and you've got to get it because it will help me. You see that new flat screen TV and you say, I want it. I've got to have it. Do you sense the manliness in there? Because I'm picking on men a little bit today. But what happens is lust makes us lose all logic. We often say, why would someone so strong do something so stupid? Have you ever thought that about something? You, you watch somebody on TV that you admire and, and it's uncovered that there's something going on. You're wondering, why would they do that? That is so stupid. Lust actually makes you lose all logic. Look at Judges 14, 1 and 2. And let's look at Samson. Judges 14, verse 1 says, Samson went down to Timnah. And he saw there a young, smoking hot Philistine woman. And I say that because Samson had a problem with that. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now, I want you to just imagine. This is how I imagine him saying this. Now, get her for me as my wife. I mean, can't you imagine that it's like the caveman type mentality? Let's bonk her over the head and bring her back to the cave. Get her for me as my wife. See, he went down to Timnah. Now, understand that Timnah was enemy territory. That was where the Philistines were at. And, the, and remember, Samson was raised up to destroy the Philistines. So he goes to the enemy's land to find a wife. It's kind of like us going to the club to find a mate. It got really quiet when I said that. And you're wondering, I mean, it's so funny. I see this. It's like you'll be working with someone. They're like, man, I, I'm coming to church, but my, my spouse won't. And, and they're, they're addicted to alcohol and drugs. I can't get them to come. And you start researching. You're like, well, uh, how'd you guys meet? Oh, we, we met while smoking pot at a party. <laughs> And, 
and I'm talking about a believer meeting an unbeliever. You know, I mean, you're a Christian, you're hanging out like, I'm going to find my soulmate there. Don't look in Timna for your soulmate, please. Uh, they're not going to be there. I, I guarantee they're not. And don't do missionary dating. Wow, I'll get them saved. Uh, tell me how that works out for you. And if it works out, we'll write a book on it. Timna also meant portion. And the word portion there is the view that you want just a little bit of what God has for you, not everything. And that's what Samson had. He didn't want everything God had for him. He just wanted the little bit that he could get away with while serving God. And so he goes to Timnah. He sees this smoking hot young Philistine woman and he gets his parents, which this is weird. I mean, enablers. They bring her back there. Here's the point. Lust will make you lose all logic. And check this out. Lust will also make you lose that which is best for that which is desirable. It will make you lose that which is best for that which is desirable. There's a story of a little dog who got this really awesome T-bone. And, and he's walking around with this huge bone and he's excited. He's so happy he's been given this. And as he's walking, he looks down in the ditch and he sees another dog with a bone that is bigger than him. He's like, this guy's got a, this is awesome. His T-bone's much bigger than mine is. Look at this. And so as he's looking at him, he starts to, to growl and he's showing the teeth and doing all that. And finally, the little dog lunges to get that bone from the other dog. And when he does, water splashes everywhere. And the little dog realizes that he just saw his reflection in the brook. <laughs> he had it out the whole time. What he had was awesome. But lust for something that was a mirage caused him to lose what he had. He lost that which was best for that which was desirable. I mean, think about it. Why would the greatest golfer in the world, Tiger Woods, have an affair on his wife, beautiful wife and child, with a waitress, I think it was at Waffle House? I don't know about you. <laughs> Why would he do something like that? He lost his mind. Lust makes you lose all logic and go down to Timna. And that's the first attitude that destroyed Samson. Lust, I want it. Say, I want it. I want it. Uh, you, you ain't convincing me. Say, I want it. I want it. Here's the second point this morning. Second attitude that makes strong men weak. Write in your notes this. Entitlement. I deserve it. I put up with her. I put up with him. I deserve it. I mean, Samson, a lion approaches Samson and he rips a mountain lion apart with his bare hands. And you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> it's church story. I don't know about you, but, but you know what a mountain lion is? It's a lion that can climb mountains. Now, I'm scared of lions, but lions that can climb mountains are even worse. And he destroys a mountain lion. And as you guys know, I believe cats are straight from the enemy. I, 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 cats are devilish enough, but this is a huge, mean, steroid-ridden cat that is devilish. And some of you cat lovers hate me in here, and I still love you, and I'll forgive you, and God will forgive you for loving your cats. <laughs> See, I remember 
it was just said that I remember being in church in, in, in Florida, and, and um, there was a little piece of woods, probably about the size of, of that there on the side. And I was getting ready to start service, and, and I looked, and I saw a bobcat going across the parking lot. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a bobcat, but I saw, he was going across the parking lot, and it scared me to death. It was the biggest cat I'd ever seen. And so immediately, um, we had a prayer service that night, and we had the longest worship service we have ever had, because I did not want to come out of the church. <laughs> Literally, I, I, I hooked up my, my flashlight on my phone, and I'm like, Okay, I need to make sure this thing's not hiding in the woods and he's going to get me. I was scared to death of this bobcat. I'm, I'm 87% sure that I did not say a curse word, but I'm 100% sure I probably thought one. I was scared to death of this bobcat. Do you know what a, what a bobcat is? No, it's not a cat named Bob. He's just a really mean, big cat with a bobtail. Look at Judges 14, 8 and 9. Let's, let's look at this here, what Samson does. Entitlement, I deserve it. Watch this. Sometime later, he went back to marry her, and he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, the one he tore apart. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hand and ate as he went along. Time out. That is gross. But that's what men do. How do men tell if socks or other clothes are clean? They smell them. They smell them. <laughs> you laugh, man. You know you do that. You're like, I've never done that. Then, man, you need to pray for us in this place today because that's how we do it. It was not supposed to touch dead things. And so he reached in and grabbed the honey out from the carcass of a lion which he once destroyed. He broke a vow for a handful of honey from a dead lion. It wasn't like it was sold, you know, sold at Cracker Barrel. It was, it was on a lion. It was gross. You're thinking, why would he do that? We do this. When you give your life to Christ and surrender to Christ, God begins to take things out of your life and give you victory over stuff. And you find freedom for the first time, and you're seeing freedom in your life. But then what we do is we return to the very thing which God destroyed. And I don't know what your, your lion is that God allowed you to destroy, but don't turn back to the carcass of it. Returning to that thing that you once had victory over. Because what you, you, you get to the point of entitlement, I deserve it. You know, I, I've been doing so good, man. I, I deserve to go do this. I deserve to go do that. And that mentality of entitlement and deservement can destroy us. Why would somebody leave a faithful wife? Why would somebody do the things that they do? They get the entitlement. I want it and I deserve it. I want it and I deserve it. If you research and you sit down where there's been an affair that happens and you walk with the person, you help them that has been through that, they think the same ways. When somebody falls into addiction, it's the same thing over and over. I want it and I deserve it. I've been a good little boy or girl. I ought to get this thing here. I mean, why would somebody have cheap thrills with a computer rather than being honest with their wife and giving their wife all their love. And we do that because we get to the same mentality that Samson had. I want it. I deserve it. Here's your third and final point this morning. It's pride. I can handle it. 
I can handle it. Remember the three, the three vows? Don't get drunk. No margaritas, no coronas. Don't touch dead things, which he just did, right? He broke the vow. And then finally was what? Don't cut your hair and then don't wear a mullet either. So that was the third, that was the three vows. He breaks the, the second vow here of not getting drunk. I want you to look at Judges 14, verse 10. It says, now his father went down to see the woman. So he had to make sure she was okay. I can't believe his parents, you know, actually okayed this. Again, that's, that's again, that's, I mean... And Samson made a feast there. Say feast. feast. As was customary for bridegrooms. Now let me just tell you what feast means. It's the word mishta. And that word feast there literally means a keg party. Seriously. Samson had a keg party. It's like, invite all your friends. It's on me. We'll keep refilling them. Samson got toasted. And how did he get to it? He said, I'm strong. I want it. I can handle it. I, can, I deserve it. He was drawn towards something that was off limits that God had said, do not touch. I want it. I deserve it. And I can handle it. Anytime you watch somebody go through a downward spiral, it's those three mindsets. I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. We think that we can handle that thing. And the, the funny thing is, when you think you can handle sin, you end up finding out that sin will handle you. And you think that you've got a control of sin, but sin will take control of you. And it may start innocently. It may start with, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. But after a while, it takes care of you. Great potential turned into stupid actions because we believe we can handle it. I just wanted a few drinks, man. I want it. I deserve it. I had a long week of work. I can handle it. And then you, then, then you, you're trashed at the club. You're trashed with your friends and you're, you're spilling out obscenities and you're hooking up with somebody you shouldn't hook up with and then your reputation for Christ is ruined and then you feel guilty. It's not a good thing, is it? For me, God destroyed alcoholism in my life and I, I was really big on it. And that's why I know that I can't turn back to that personally. Maybe you wanted the flat screen, the computer, the car. I want it. I can handle it. And then what happens is the payments start handling you. And you feel the grip of your budget tightening on you. You want to have your girlfriend stay tonight. I want it. I deserve it. And I can handle it. And then three weeks later, she calls you and says, um, I'm pregnant. Now, I know that doesn't happen to anybody you know or to you. That's, that's for like maybe just cautionary tales. But it happens to us when we have the mindset that I want it. I deserve it, and I can handle it. I'm just looking, man. It's no big deal. But then you say, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. And that's the same thing that Samson fell through there in the same mindset. Now, fast forward. In four weeks, and Daisy, if you'll come. In week four, we'll see the strongest man who ever lived have his eyes gouged out by the enemy. The strongest man who ever lived. And, and you're sitting here thinking, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, I'll never have my eyes gouged out, but it may be worse for you and I. It may be that, that you end up and your life is falling apart. And your kids want nothing to do with you. And you're wondering, wow, how do I get out of this? See, I want to help you to find out the attitudes that make strong men and women weak. See, Samson had long hair. 
He looked really good, but his heart had drifted from God. His heart wasn't close to God anymore. And let me tell you a story of how I experienced this as a young Christian. I was being discipled by a guy. On Tuesday nights, he would take time. He would teach me about how to read Proverbs, how to fast and pray. He's walking me through books of the Bible. And I didn't know Christ at all, so this was really good for me. I really looked up to this guy, man. He taught on Wednesday nights in our youth group. And I even remember that um, Valentine's Day, he had this lady, him and his wife had this lady come speak about purity to all of our students. And she was, you know, she was like 40 and, and, and you know, man, was a virgin and was saving herself for, for marriage and all this stuff. And I remember one day after church, I'm eating with some friends. They said, hey, man, did you hear about, I'm not going to say his name. I said, Dad, what's up? They said, um, he left his wife. I'm thinking, what? I mean, I've seen him in church in a few weeks, but I mean, just because you'll come to church in a few weeks doesn't mean maybe that's happened. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, you remember that, that lady he brought to the, the purity banquet? He was having an affair with her. And as a young believer, my heart was crushed. And I was thinking, how could someone so strong do something so stupid? How could someone who was on the praise team and, and doing all this stuff do something so stupid? And I looked at his life, and, and if you look at it, he got to the point where his mentality was, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. See, the enemy of your soul, Satan, wants to make strong men weak. But our good God wants to make weak men strong. Our good God specializes in taking people who admit they're weak, who admit they can't handle it, and they can't do it, and he makes them strong. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. And God wants to take you today who you're like, man, I, I'm in number two. I'm in number one. I'm even in number three. And God's saying, if you'll just admit your weakness, if you'll just get to that point, I can make you strong. Satan specializes in making strong men weak, but God specializes in making weak men strong. And here's the attitudes that make weak men strong. Listen to this. The first one is, I want God. So I want it. I want God. The second attitude is this. I deserve death. What do you deserve? You deserve death. You don't deserve life. God's good and God's gracious. And the third is this. I can't handle anything without God. See, God doesn't help those who help themselves. That's not biblical. Research it and then show me where that's biblical. The Bible says he's a father to the fatherless. He helps the helpless. While you were dead in your sin and trespasses, he rescued you. You didn't go to God and be like, man, you know, I'm good enough. And so God doesn't expect you, even after you give your life to him, to say, I'm going to pull myself up on my own bootstraps. You need to get to the point that you can't handle anything without God. You need God in every decision, in every conversation, in every hour at work, that you need him. Let me say this to the young women in here. If you're looking for a mate... Look for the weakest man you can find. Here's what I mean by that. You find the guy who's on the front row with his notes open, which there's no young men on the front row, their notes open. Taking notes and studying and learning and listening. And they come to pray and they're faithful. Do not trust someone who's strong and 
they don't need it and they're good and they're, they're kind of nominal. You find the, the man who says, I'm the, see, I'm not strong, I'm weak. I, I'm utterly dependent upon the grace of God daily to carry me through. And that's what prayer is. And so if you're looking for a man and you're like, man, I want to find the right guy, you find the one who is so weak, he is so dependent upon God. And you're like, man, religion's a crutch for the weak. Amen. I'm weak. And I need God every day of my life. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 6, 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. See, there is greatness in you. There's potential in you. God wants to use you in major ways. Trust me in that. There is greatness inside of you. And get to the point where you say, God, I'm too weak to do it. I need you. See, D.L. Moody said this. I'm closing with this statement. He said, the world is yet to see a man who was fully surrendered to him. The world is yet to see a man or woman who was fully surrendered to God. And so this morning, I want us to return to the idea that we can be that person when we're weak in him so he can make us strong. Amen. I just want to pray for you for a second, then we're going to take communion. Just bow your head and close your eyes in here.